For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. It is an enormous honor to fill in for our departed too soon friend, Rush Limbaugh. It's 800-282-2882 if you want to join the program. On this day that the Lord has made and this time that the Lord has decided we'll live in times such as these, at least we know that we've been showered with something. Did you see Did you, we'll get into this in detail in the next segment, but the the Washington Post had an analysis. Let me just give you the headline because we'll get into the body of the text to come. This is about the alleged COVID bill, which is the alleged bailout bill, which is, which is an enormous amount of, of, of pork and worse spending. This is the Washington Post and next segment, we'll tell you what they said about Trump's Uh, effort to help people get around the lockdowns financially. Biden's stimulus showers money on Americans, sharply cutting poverty in defining move of presidency. Now, it's true that they have raised the income of, well, it's, you know, for instance, the Boston Barmer. I don't know how much money he was getting for work in prison, but he's getting a $1,400 check. The Boston Barmer. So is Dylan Roof. Who murdered nine people. So clearly their income has shot up by perhaps 1,400%. But there is almost no actual spending related to the COVID lockdowns of this. Almost none. And we'll talk about that. Listen to this. Listen, listen to... Listen here to what Joe Biden was told to say about this spending orgy. This nation has suffered too much for much too long. And everything in this package is designed to relieve the suffering and to meet the most most urgent needs of the nation. (laughs) I mean, I can't even respond to that intelligently other than a ha, which just popped out of me. Frank Hill at the North State Journal went through and looked at this this monstrosity. There might be in this one point three trillion dollars, there might be six hundred million tied to relief from the government-imposed lockdowns. 
There is $1.5 billion for Amtrak, which is an organization that sells $9 microwavable hamburgers and loses money on them. You can, you, you, if you go to an, uh, an Amtrak station, such as in Washington, D.C., you can buy a McDonald's hamburger for 99 cents and pop on the train, or you could wait, get on the train, get a lesser hamburger for nine bucks, and know that Amtrak loses money on that. That's just one example. And, of course, there's bailouts for pension funds in blue cities where, where government retirees are making $350,000 per year. None of that is related to the medically useless, deadly, politically advantageous for Democrat friends lockdowns. 200 million bucks for museums, etc. And then you're going to hear, oh, well, we're going to make the schools safe from the COVID flu. No, you're not. There's $128 billion for K-12 through public education, which is really just for the unions. 95% of that money will not be spent uh, until between 2022 and 2028. None of it in 2021. So this is showering Americans with money. And there's more. We'll get into some of the details in this bill. If, if, you, if you are, like me, a longtime, lifelong listener... Uh, uh, to Rush, you've heard his brilliant monologues over the decades explaining government spending and how we need to look at it. As Rush said here. When is the last time that you recall anybody, conservative Republican think tank, when is the last time anybody has really, really, really been upset over government spending? When's the last time you can remember it? The Tea Party, which was average ordinary Americans, had never been in politics before. They had never been activists. This was the beauty of it. This was the power of it. They were not professional political people or employees. They were just outraged over Obama. They were outraged over this wanton spending with seemingly no concern and no even imaginary limitations and what that might mean for their children and their grandchildren. The Tea Party is being portrayed as the alt-right, white nationalist, racist movement even. So follow along here. Tea Party gets started. Tea Party takes over. Tea Party secures the Republican control of the House of Representatives in 2010, a 50-vote margin. It was overwhelming, and Democrats and media immediately began targeting the Tea Party as a bunch of racist, sexist bigots, which is the default. But they're being positioned as the mainstream, while at the same time the left-wing extremists uh, are, are being ignored and tamped down, and Pelosi and Schumer are are being built up as the moderate, normal, uh, standard Democrat issue. But let's go back. The Tea Party comes into being for a lot of reasons, but, but spending was one of the things that woke them all up. Now, these are people that had never been in organized politics before. They had voted, but they had not donated to anything. They had not, you know, they maybe go to town halls once in a while. But these were the essence of citizen involvement in government. They were not being paid. They, they, they were not on anybody's donor list or any of that. And that's what gave them power. There was no leader. There was no Tea Party leader. There was no figurehead responsible for it. It was an effervescent, natural eruption 
of conservative citizens of all ages, religions, creeds, sexes, orientations, you name it. It scared the hell out of Washington, D.C. Long before Donald Trump came along, it scared the hell out of Washington, D.C., precisely because it couldn't be controlled. You couldn't demonize the Tea Party by taking out one person, the leader. It was just a mass movement at the same time by average ordinary Americans. And it was spending that got them, it was Obama's stimulus and then health care that scared the hell out of them. Well, eventually the Republicans listened. And the Republicans started attacking Obama on the spending. And the Republicans started attacking the Democrats in general. And the budget deal after budget, we had reconciliation, we didn't have budgets. We didn't do budgets. The Democrats found a way out of having to do budgets. There were no debates. People got even more infuriated. So the Republicans, listening to the Tea Party, realizing what a voting bloc it was, actually began talking spending discipline. And what happened? Remember the last time during all of that, remember the time the Republicans offered a plan to address the deficit after Obama's stimulus and after Obama's Obamacare? What did Democrats do? The Democrats prepared an ad showing Paul Ryan pushing a grandmother in a wheelchair over the cliff. We all got outraged by it. Some people laughed at it. Some Republicans, come on, Rush, nobody's going to take that seriously. I've been hearing this my entire career. Come on, Rush, nobody's going to take what the Democrats do seriously. Nobody's going to fall for that. And yet here we are. A lot of people have fallen for a lot of Democrat crap over the last 50 years. And here we are. And after the Paul Ryan wheelchair ad, then we had all kinds of similar kind of ads. Republicans were going to starve the kids. Republicans were going to foul the water. Whatever the spending cuts, Republicans were going to take Social Security away from people. Republicans were going to deny old people their housing allowances. This is what happened. How do you talk about balancing the budget? How do you talk about the deficit when your opposition is promising to give everything away to everybody, including free health care for illegal immigrants? How do you talk about spending discipline and the deficit with a media famous for destroying economies and jobs, favoring policies which destroy economies and jobs? And when you keep in mind that this is the Democrat agenda, the Democrat agenda requires as many people in need as they can create. The Democrat agenda requires poverty. The Democrat agenda requires people unable to cope with day-to-day life. The Democrat Party requires more and more people living in economic despair. That circumstance allows the Democrats to blame the Republicans for it and then propose even more programs and even a more benevolent, gigantic government to take care of all the people the Republicans don't care about. Making the government a bigger percentage of GDP is not how you grow the economy. It's how you grow government. And Obama was making no bones about his intention. Here comes the Tea Party demanding Republican fiscal responsibility. They tried. They they started providing more than lip service on balancing the budget. That's when the ad started coming with Paul Ryan sending Grandma over the cliff in a wheelchair. And that was just one of them. The Republican Party thinks they got destroyed in the arena of public opinion 
with the media distorting their efforts, just like happened in 1995. They think they got destroyed over the starving kids' school lunch cuts that weren't. There were no cuts in the school lunch program. There were simply reductions in the rate of growth. Timeless. It's timeless. There were Republican senators who tried to stop this giving of money to murderers, to the Boston bomber. The 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 Daily Wire covered this. Ryan Savada, Savedra, Cotton, Cruz, Cassidy, all offered amendments to not send checks to the Boston bomber and to the the, the murderer Dylan Roof, and, and the Democrats voted that down. <laughs> there's there's your ads. They're right here. We can run that ad, and we're just talking during the break. We can run an ad of showing Andrew Cuomo. How, how many how many grandmas did he literally push into the cliff of the long-term care facilities? We'll talk more about Cuomo. It's now, is it five or six women who've come forward to say that they were sexually harassed by him? Well, we should start a watch. Maybe, it's, maybe it'll be seven or eight by the end of the show. It's 800-282-2882. If you want to be on the program, we'll get into this Washington Post comparison. Them looking at Biden versus Trump as we continue. It's Todd Herman on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman in for our departed too soon friend, Rush Limbaugh. Coming up on the program, President Trump's lawyers have sent (laughs) a no-you-don't-get-to letter. To the RNC and the, um, the the Republican committees, you got to hear what they're telling these committees, and it just it shows. And we'll hear from Rush on this in the next segment that Rush was characteristically right when he said Trump isn't going anywhere. And, and we'll get to that. Rush loved, absolutely loved human ingenuity in all of its forms, and particularly in tech. So for many of us, he was the Maha of new tech. And Rush found us all a great deal with pure talk, as Rush himself told us about. Hey, folks, there's one sure bet that you can make this year, and that is you're going to use your cell phone more than you did last year. That translates to bigger cell phone bills. You're going to be paying more for it, unless you are proactive and do something about that. This is why so many people in this audience are switching their cell phone service from one of the big providers to Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers you unlimited talk, unlimited text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't charge you if you go over your six gigs of data. Now, you compare that monthly price, 30 bucks a month, to your current cell phone bill. Just compare it. Your current cell phone bill, I mean, I would, I'd have to make a guess, but 75 80 bucks, depending on how many lines and phones you have. Don't know what it is, but 30 bucks a month for unlimited talk, unlimited text, six gigs of data. Now, here's the real icing on the cake. Pure Talk uses the same cell phone towers as one of the biggest cell phone service providers in America. They focus on providing great service and support with every Pure Talk employee located in the U.S. From your cell phone, do this. Dial pound 250 and say Pure Talk. Get started. You'll save 50% off your first month. That's pound 250 and say Pure Talk. Just pick up your phone right now. Pound 250 and say Pure Talk. Guess what? Somebody from there will answer and you're off and running. 
It's really that easy. Just pound 250. Pick up your phone, pound 250, say pure talk, and you get it. That's It's just that easy. We talked about this in the opening segment. It is Americans have been showered with something that, that the Washington Post wants us to believe is money. In this alleged COVID bailout, even if it was really a bailout, it wouldn't be from the COVID flu. It wouldn't be from the virus. It would be from the lockdowns. But there might be $600 million out of $1.9 trillion that's even partly related to this, to the COVID. Here's the comparison to how the Washington Post described President Trump's a similar effort by the president, but without all the pork. Without sending money to illegal immigrants and, 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 and death row inmates, which the Democrats insisted upon doing. They wrote this. Trump signs $2 trillion coronavirus bill into law as companies and households brace for more economic pain. Folks, the Washington Post is owned by one of the chief technocrats who has most benefited from these deadly and, and medically useless lockdowns, and Jeff Bezos. And he's one of the chief technocrats who has, in my judgment, continued to push lockdowns. And in fact, this Washington Post piece, it gives a signal of how the, the, the technocrats like Bezos and the per- people he's purchased in the Democrat Party, how they view these lockdowns. They, they talk about a rude awakening. When this this aid runs out, I mean, Dylan Roof may have to get another job in prison. The the Boston bomber may have to get a job in prison. They only get one check. Real Americans who are actually going to get these checks, the Post is warning that there's a rude awakening. They're setting the groundwork for permanence, as Rush just talked about in the previous clip. The Democrats require desperation. So do the technocrats who are bureaucrats and they're tech people and and they work in in medicine. So many of them, not everybody in those careers, obviously, but the people who are pushing the lockdowns. So they talk in this piece about the most generous expansion of aid to the poor in recent history. Generous. Generous. Describing this as generous is an interesting phraseology. The World Economic Forum has stated they want these lockdowns to continue. They put out a video celebrating them. The Guardian, UK, just wrote an article that some of these technocrats are saying we need lockdowns every two years to stop the weather from changing for the global warming and the global you know, climate catastrophe. Then you have this. In blue states like Oregon and Washington and California, there are people whose retirement portfolios depended upon house rentals, on renting homes. Some of them are $30,000 behind in rent, 10% the value of the house, and the people sitting there don't have to pay. And they know they don't have to pay. Because the governors have waved the magic COVID wand and said, you don't have to pay. Do you think that they're going to come back and suddenly say, now you have to pay? Or is this the permanent great reset that we're not supposed to believe in? The beginning of this, you have thousands and tens of thousands of people who've been told you don't have to pay rent. And suddenly they're going to have to pay rent? Here's from the Washington Post piece. 
Unlike many other significant anti-poverty measures passed by Congress in history, this one has a short time horizon, with almost all the relief for families going away over the coming year. That could be an abrupt awakening for Americans who've grown accustomed to financial support. Since the Congress moved to swiftly create a stronger safety net at the start of the pandemic a year ago, they're signaling that they would like people to be able to continue to stay home. And they continue to modify the meaning of words and, and emotions behind them. This is um, Indivar Gupta, co-executive director of the Georgetown Center on Poverty and Inequality. The Biden administration is seeing this more like a wartime mobilization. They'll deal with any downside risk later on, meaning they'll expand the spending later on. That's what that means. They'll expand it then. And they're giving us a heads up and they're giving the Biden administration the heads up. And this is Jeff Bezos's Washington Post saying, hey, guys, we're going to expect you to do this. We're going to expect this to be extended into the future so more people can be dependent upon this. Love to get your input on this, how Rush would cover it, what you've learned from Rush at 800-282-2882. We'll continue to explore this. You'll hear Rush talk about President Trump not going anywhere, wasn't going to be going anywhere. You'll hear him talk about Trump's permanence in the American political cycle. And I'll tell you what President Trump's lawyers have said to the RNC. Nope, you don't get to do something anymore. Lots to continue. Todd Herman on the EIB Network. So easy to get down in these times, but there's there is just some enormously good news. Rush has taught us about intelligence guided by experience and the teachings of EIB. They're there to me being fully realized as I'm watching the effort of the Mockingbird media. And I define that as media channels who repeat and amplify the words of technocrats, leftists and statists with no skepticism at it. Despite their best efforts, Americans still don't trust the election results, even though we're being told, once again, safest, most secure in history. A bunch of Americans don't. We need to speak about these things. Others, other indicators. We all saw the drop in cases coming. We talked about it. If if Biden got into the White House, we didn't know he'd be behind a militarized wall. He is that suddenly we'd see the cases decline. We saw the World Health Organization suddenly say, hey, let's, let's stop using a fake, you know, an irrational test for this. And that happened. And then we said the Democrats who have promised with hashtags even, I mean, they brought hashtags to the table, that there would be unity. Now we're seeing that they, they want to destroy the filibuster so they can continue to shove down the throats of the American people just this 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 authoritarianism that they're just chomping at the bid for none more authoritarian than seizing control of elections right and you have somewhat reasonable democrats from back in the day later in the show we're gonna remember a time when rush talked to a kind of jurassic park democrat who's still reasonable joe manchin they're saying hey let's not scrap the filibuster let's just make the senator talk the whole time like Rand paul did that that can happen he wants it to be more painful, but the rest of the Democrats want it gone for now. Of course, they'll want it back if there's a Republican president to follow. They'll want it back. So all of the unity they promised, is, it's, it's a lie. It's, it was never meant to be, and we can see that with our own eyes. The good news is we predicted these things. The Mockingbirds can't keep this from us. They can't keep us from our experience 
our, our, our experience guiding our intelligence, as, as Rush taught us about. Now, of course, bipartisanship isn't, isn't a great thing when you're being bipartisan with communists. Right? And Rush told us that President Trump understood that the left had to be defeated, that President Trump focused on correcting this nation's course. He brought people to his vision without worshiping bipartisanship. The idea that Donald Trump should be called a failure because he has somehow failed to unite the country? That's what Trump was going to do? That's what Trump... How in the world can you possibly think that Trump was elected for the exact opposite reason, for the exact opposite objectives? Donald Trump was elected as an outsider. He was elected to drain the swamp... Everybody knew that was not going to be pretty. The swamp's just not going to sit there and let themselves be drained. They're not just going to watch themselves go down the drain with the drain O and not put up a stink about it. If something like making America great again becomes the primary reason somebody opposes you, then what must those people who oppose you really want? If making America great again makes them mad... If the concept of making America great again really ticks them off, and if it fires them off uh, and, and to the point that whoever is going to make America great again has to be destroyed, then what must those people actually want? Bipartisanship? Bipartisanship. The only way that's ever going to happen is if we cave on our core beliefs. They're not going to, and the left isn't even interested in bipartisanship. The left doesn't even believe in opposition. Their objective is to eliminate it and to wipe it out. And it ought to be ours in a political sense. It damn well ought to be ours. So blaming Trump for the lack of bipartisanship out there? Sorry, I just don't believe it. Bipartisanship? Come on, give me a break. That's not at all what Trump was about. It isn't complicated at all. And I'm telling you, it's really serious. We're dealing with a radical left in this country that's feeling its oats like they never have before. And their objective is to permanently transform this country away from its founding principles. Timeless. It's timeless. And they're showing it on display with the let's get rid of the filibuster. Let's let's seize elections with H.R. one. Let's let's enforce an anti-scientific view of the world. Let's enforce it. It's remarkable. Today, the CDC put out a note giving people a list of rules to follow once they've gotten the mRNA injections. Now, suddenly the government's saying, well, here's how you can gather in small groups. And and the mockingbirds are presenting this as and, and CNN it literally said, here's the list of rules to follow <laughs> from Tony Fauci's CDC. This is the change they're looking for. This is the adherence to appeal to authority they're looking for. Let's talk to Wesley in Jersey, Georgia. Wesley, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Wesley. Hey, Todd. Thank you very much for taking my call. It's an honor and a privilege to be on the Rush Limbaugh show. Mega dittos to you and to Rush and his family. I just wanted to say that um, I'm a Rush baby. I grew up listening to Rush, um, read all of his books. My, my, my mom and my dad, they read the books. And uh, they always told me this was a man that you needed to listen to. Well, when I put my hat into the political ring, I ran for a county position. Of course, I didn't get elected to it, but I brought my conservative values to light 
and listened to Rush Limbaugh and always followed Rush, and uh, even to the presidency and picking Donald Trump. And it, it ended up making me a public figure on Facebook where I'm verified and I have a following of my own and people listen to me. And, you know, they, they always wonder where I get got my information from, but I just listened to Rush Limbaugh, and Rush Limbaugh has completely changed my life and the way I think uh, and my conservative values. So uh, beyond the political, and God bless you for sticking your neck out and running and being a conservative, and please protect Georgia. I'm telling you, Wesley, the the perverse sex ed bill, the comprehensive sex education, it has a toehold in your state. Please protect it. Please investigate that. Beyond the political, let me ask you, how did it change the way you um, view others? How did it form the way that you view neighbors and other people in society um, as you listen to Russia the years? Instead of being a closed-minded person and about canceling culture and being, uh, you know, just aggravated with what people, uh, how people live and they, they talk to you and stuff like that, you learn to let stuff go and you learn that uh, to have an open mind and people are going to be different from you. People are going to live different from you and you just accept them for the way they are and you move on with it. You don't let it, you don't let it bother you or eat you up inside. You just move on from it. And you carry on, and you you stay a conservative, and you know that your belief, you are on the right side of the political spectrum. Yeah, and I, I always I, I always saw this, you know, Wesley, not to interrupt you, but I always saw this with Rush because I wanted to care if you said something that just made me think. One of the things that I noticed in Rush in from the political, what was he looking for? Consistency. He was looking for room to run. He was looking for a runway. We would say in you know venture capital circles. He was looking for the the clear field to run towards life, liberty, and happiness. And when you heard him speak of human beings, I I heard him speak so often um, when he was speaking of admiring human beings that he had some consistent things he looked for. He looked for people who could come back from hardship. He looked for people who would break new ground. He looked for people who were told, no, you can't, and you can't, and you can't, and they did, and they did, and they did. And he looked for ingenuity and he looked for obsessive focus on excellence across all crafts. If you listen to Rush talk about, for instance, um, Donna Summer or, 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 um, or music, he looked for the same focus on excellence that he did in tech, that he did in writing, that he did in thinking and thought expression and persuasion. See, I think this is where the left could never understand Rush as a human is because he was looking at the core spark, the soul of people, not the outward appearance that the left is so focused on because they, they, the left of all things, what they most want to do, in my judgment, is they want to dehumanize all of us. They want to de-emphasize our humanity and our ability to guide ourselves using intelligence guided by experience. We'll talk about Rush and how he looked at client number nine. Anyone remember client number nine? And this is related to another New Yorker, Andrew Cuomo. What's going to cause him to resign first? The seventh, eighth, or ninth woman or charges for obstruction of justice, one would hope. We'll get to that as we continue. Todd Herman on the EIB Network. So Andy Cuomo, the um, I think rather thuggish in his policies, 
so-called governor of New York. What do we have? We've got five women who are describing pretty consistent forms of sexual harassment. We're waiting for number six and number seven and number eight. Listen to this. This is a quote. I have a newsflash for you. There's politics in politics. I have political differences with people. That sounds a lot like, what does it matter where they died? They're dead. Which is what he said about his policy of forcing nursing homes and long-term care centers to take in COVID-positive patients. Which a reasonably bright 7th grader has learned you don't visit your elderly and infirm relatives if you have a cough. And he hid that from the Department of Justice. Now you have big-time Democrats demanding that Cuomo resign. I would love to know who put the political hit out on Cuomo. The Senate Majority Leader, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, is calling for him to resign. I would love to know, and there's someone waiting. They have someone in mind. I mean, there is, um, his brother, Chris Cuomo, is black, and so they may want to have Chris be, you know, maybe take his brother's place because he's black. What? Oh, no, sorry, wait, no. Chris Cuomo says he's black inside. Yeah, he, he gets to say that because he's Chris Cuomo. You know, <laughs> I just have this vision. We all wish Rush was here for all sorts of reasons, not the least of which is we love him. But then there's this. Can you imagine him taking this scandal on? It would be tremendous fun to hear Rush Limbaugh take us through the Andrew Cuomo scandal. We lifelong Limbaugh fans remember client number nine and Rush talking about Elliot Spitzer. Mark Sanford developed, what did he say, an email friendship with, uh, started innocently, the girl from Ipanema. He went down to Argentina to see the girl from Ipanema. I've said over the years that lust is the one human emotion over which you have no control. It can make you do things that in your sane moments you would never do. And we're looking at an example of it here. Well, love, I mean, people in lust think they're in love. This is the kind of stuff that addicts do. Never going to get caught, never going to happen, and so forth. You marvel at this. But when these Democrats go up there, their wives are dutifully in a blue dress. Remember Elliot Spitzer and his wife Silda was there, didn't... Help much. Speaking of Elliot Spitzer, remember how that all went down. He took his troubles down to Madame Rue. Called for the hooker with the gold cap, too. The feds were listening in on the telephone line. That's how they knew Spitzer was. Love client number nine. Stupid, he left evidence. Sanford didn't do that. He cried and said he was a flop with chicks. He'd been that way since 1956. And her friends on Wall Street thought she could empathize. Offered a thousand cash from love client number nine. She went into a dark room at a DC hotel. He said that he had been attorney general. He talked low and sexy, but when he turned on the lights, she closed her eyes, she turned her head. Oh, what a fright. He should have given her an internship. I could have taught him how to bite his lip and saved him the trouble of looking like a swine. That is the sad tale of love client number nine. I wonder if Sanford thought that he was going to get away with this. She closed her eyes, she turned her head. 
They all do, oh, I guess. What a prize. He should have given her an internship. Could have been our JFK. I could have taught him how to buy his whip. Could have had it all. Saved a thousand bucks and a really red behind. That is the sad tale of love client number nine. Yeah, Gary Hart's wife stood next to him love out there, too. Number Is uh, white comedian Paul Shanklin, a vocal portrayal there as Bill Clinton, talking about Elliot Spitzer and uh, love client number nine. Uh, just a note to the so-called governor of New York. I-, I know that you thought, you know, after Rush passed on, that maybe you wouldn't have to face that sort of music. But we're here to make sure the program continues, Rush's wisdom continues, and just continue to point out the rank hypocrisy of the left suddenly pretending as if this is new news about about Andy Cuomo. With these five women, I'm not I'm not you know, women come forward for various reasons and it's a scary thing often to come forward. But we're told to believe all women under all circumstances eventually. Sometimes. Well, under certain circumstances, depending on whom they're accusing. Is anyone else noticing that these women are now to be believed by the Democrat stronghold? And I would just ask this question because of that dynamic. Are we also to believe that this wasn't a known factor around Andy Cuomo in the office and that this sort of insensitivity didn't extend itself into don't tell the DOJ how many old people died. Don't 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 release those numbers. Don't don't talk to the families that their loved ones are dead. Who cares? It's an attitudinal thing. It's 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 almost like. He has a brother that's very similar on CNN, almost the same. It's Todd Herman in on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman in for our friend Rush Limbaugh, who would be here with us, but he's doing a radio show in heaven. It is difficult to overstate the significance of a letter that President Trump's lawyers sent to the Republican National Committee and the um, NRSC, that's the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and NRCC, National Republican Congressional Committee. And what he's told them is, it, through his lawyers, you can, you're going to stop using my name to raise money. And, and I guarantee, because I used to be in the leadership team at the Republican National Committee, I guarantee... This is shockwave stuff. If, if they run these committees with any sort of foresight, they had whole fundraising campaigns built around the president's name. So the significance of this is, is important to understand. Trump is shown the cards that he has that they can't have. And this is going to be backed up by something that Rush Limbaugh told us about what President Trump did for Republicans and about how the Trump message isn't going anywhere. And it's something that, that, that Rush knew, and I don't think the professional Republicans knew. So you got to hear how important this battle is and how right Rush was on that. We'll get to that as we continue. Todd Herman in on the one and only EIB Network.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is an incredible honor to be on this program because our hero in radio, Rush Limbaugh, has gone on to heaven. It's 800-282-2882. If you want to join us, love to chat with you. And today, the day the Lord has made, we are made for times such as these. And we've got uh, some pretty unique responsibilities because of the times in which we live. And we had a great teacher, a great human teacher in Rush Limbaugh. There is a power dynamic like I've never seen in politics. And you're going to hear Rush explain some of the dynamics behind these power dynamics and this power play. It's an important one. Of the many things that Donald Trump accomplished in four years was having the deep state stick their head up so we can see who they are, exposing the comfort with which Mitch McConnell and, and others, I tend to pick on Mitch because I like to uh, impersonate him, but there's a whole lot of others, uh, professional Republicans, I call them, the comfort with which they view being in second place. And their evident relief of being able to get back to talking about shirts versus skins. They're so very comfortable in the realm of nibbling around the edges of America's problems. The $1.9 trillion alleged COVID bailout, which is maybe $600 million 
somewhat tangentially related to the lockdowns is a great is a great it's it's a great way to to, to illustrate this. John Cornyn and and Mitch McConnell and others are very comfortable saying are saying uh, are saying uh, uh, more haphazard way spent uh, one point nine trillion dollars. Yeah, that's bad. It's 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 thievery to see these monies going to murderers like Dylan Roof and the Boston Bomber. It's thievery, and it is nibbling around the real challenge in our country. Rush described this as being in a death grip with communism, and we are. And the the Democrats know this. That's why they are trying to put in place H.R. 1, which federalizes elections. And it directly goes against the Constitution where the states and the legislatures of the states prescribe the the way those federal elections are held in their states, or rather the, the elections for federal office. They know this. The power dynamic here on the Republican side is this. President Trump's lawyers have served notice on the Republican National Committee, the National Republican Congressional Committee, the National Republican Senatorial Committee. You don't get to use Donald Trump's name or Donald Trump's image anymore in relation to fundraising at all. This is a massive power move. And what it sets up is Trump is kingmaker from a financial perspective. The president can create a pass-through political action committee, a mega pack of some kind, where he can back specific candidates if he chooses to do it that way. He can use his data sets to advantage candidates that he thinks will carry forth his effort to defeat what I regard as, it's not, I don't even know that it's communism as much as it is, it's the China model. This is what the Democrats and their sponsors in, in big banking and all too much of big medicine and all too much of big media, they, they seek a, a China model for us. They really like that, force you to buy products you don't want from companies you don't like at prices you can't afford for things you don't need. That's a great model. So when the president's lawyers say this to these committees, they're cutting off a lifeline. And the president said, oh, I'm not going to set up another political entity. I'm not going to set up a new political party. No, he's going to starve the existing ones of cash. There is no zeal in the world of Republican politics for anyone on the Republican side right now on a presidential basis. There's developing zeal. Ron DeSantis has done a great job of standing up to the Mockingbird media. He's standing up to Silicon Valley. He's done a brilliant job at handling the COVID and ending the lockdowns early and, and doing away with the mass diktats. He's in good stead. Christy Nome is in great stead. They both are. If the president and they were to come to an understanding... President Trump could be the king or queen maker. I don't, I don't want them to be king or queens. I'd rather have them be government employees such as presidents if President Trump himself decides not to run. But to the committees to not be able to use his name, the only way they get to use his name is go to him and say, what do you want? What do we need to do to be able to use your name? This is a, an incredible moment of truth for these committees to understand 
when you guys didn't leap into action, and I mean thunderous action, when we saw election fraud, the circumstances for fraud being set up, all of us watched it. Rush himself talked about this. You remove all the rules, all the standards. You flood these states with with absentee ballots. Everybody gets a ballot. You remove the rules. You have Mark Zuckerberg spending half a billion dollars for, quote, vote turnout only in Democrat districts. You're setting up the, 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 the availability of fraud and environment for that, that they didn't leap into action the minute these things were announced. And, it's, and, and start lawsuits then to block this then. That they weren't universally on TV saying this is creating conditions for fraud. They left the president swinging in this regard. And something about President Trump I admire. In politics, it's one thing for the, you know from a spiritual sense, a religious sense, to forgive. It's it's a it, from a political perspective, you may well forgive, but you cannot forget what people did. We need that fight. Our country depends on this fight. So these these committees are now facing this. So yeah, Rush, of course, addressed these things. And, and one of the things about Rush is he pointed out that Trump's message resonated. Even though the left won the presidency, Republicans won down the ballot. Mega was not rejected, which should have the Dems nervous about the midterms, and they are. Rush explained that the only thing that went the left's way in this past election was Trump not winning. The Republican Party has flipped an untold number of seats in a presidential race where the the presidential candidate Trump loses. It's almost unprecedented. I'm sure it's happened before because everything has in life. There's nothing new anymore, but it's still phenomenal. The Democrats had this vision of uh, adding seats in the House, winning the White House and taking the Senate and having total control of all branches of government, and they would never surrender. They were going to pack the court, pack the Supreme Court. They're going to get statehood to uh, Puerto Rico and um, Washington, D.C., get you know four new senators from those two places, all four Democrats, never, ever lose control of government and therefore never, ever have to worry about elections. But it all went awry. The only thing that went their way was Trump losing, but Republicans are winning everywhere down the ballot. It's almost as bad for the Democrats as it was in 2008 when Obama won the presidency, but the Democrats lost down the ballot like nobody expected. Even CNN admits this is happening. It's important that people understand what happened down ballot, down the ticket in this election. Republicans in January are going to be in a much more powerful position as a result of this. They are poised to influence the Democrat agenda in ways they couldn't have when Pelosi had a 35-seat cushion to pass legislation. No, no, we're not talking about flipping the House. They're not, they're not going to run the House. They're not going to control it. They're going to have enough seats that she's not going to have any, any, anything like a free road right in front of her to do whatever she wants to do. Now, you've got some Democrats who are going to 
pay attention to what happened here, the less radical ones, and Republicans might even be able to block legislation like uh, Medicare for All, the Green New Deal. And believe me, the Democrats have been salivating over being able to do this stuff. The Democrats in the House have nothing to celebrate, and they aren't celebrating. And they're very nervous about going into 2022. And all of this is because of Donald Trump. The Republicans owe all of this to Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the reason for the new makeup of the Republican Party and the fact that they are winning. Not the never-Trumpers, not the age-old Republican establishment. These are Donald Trump Republicans, and the Democrats know that the MAGA agenda ain't going anywhere. No matter what happens to Trump, the MAGA agenda is the Republican Party. And now professional Republicans at the committees know it. And if you hear me use the phrase professional Republican, let me explain it to you. This is how I view it, because I worked in these circles. If you talk to a professional Republican, you say, what do you do for a living? If they're intellectually honest, they say, I Republican. What's that mean? Well, I go on TV and I'm a Republican. What are your what are your principles? Are you conservative Republican? Well, if that's the way things are leaning, uh, then I'm, I'm, or Mitt Romney would say, I'm a severe conservative. Professional Republicans, they're just Republican. Now they know there's going to be one organization that's going to be able to allow President Trump's name and image to be used in fundraising. And that organization is the Trump political organization. And you better believe the committees are going to try to figure out how they get on the good side of Donald Trump in order to be able to use his name and image. More to follow. It's Todd Herman on the EIB Network. One of the greatest nicknames Rush ever gave anybody was Calypso Louis. <laughs> Louis Farrakhan, Mark Zuckerberg, and Jack Dorsey, the uh, heads of Facebook and Twitter, respectively, are giving uh, Louis Farrakhan some special privileges that uh, normal Americans don't get in terms of what they're able to say on the social networks. That's coming up. You know, it would be fascinating for us to be able to figure out how many students this program saved from permanently becoming <laughs> adult skulls of mush. I mean, it extends beyond the reach of the, the Rush Limbaugh program as the sole factor and into the success of Hillsdale College, about which Rush told us so eloquently over many years. Ladies and gentlemen, when uh, Hillsdale College was established more than 175 years ago, its founders committed the college to preserving American liberty through education. That was 1844, folks. Nation was only 60-plus years into existence, and already the importance of holding on to freedom was top of mind for some very smart people. Now, today's administration at Hillsdale takes same commitment just as seriously. They know that education and faith thrive in freedom, and that freedom requires an informed and educated people. It's why Hillsdale's faculty, that's the teachers for those of you in Rio Linda, spend so much time and effort in creating online video courses that they give away. Each one of these online courses is free. You can watch on demand like any program or movie you might choose to watch from any other service. The subject nature is purposely diverse to hold your interest and to inform you on myriad numbers of issues. You can learn or relearn how the free market economy works. You may think you know, but you don't until you see this. You can revisit the nation's history, being reminded of the good that we have provided the world and ourselves and how we've learned from our losses. 
three dozen. That would be 36 for those of you in Rio Linda. Video courses in all, each one of them free. That means it costs you nothing. And I'm sure you know what free means in Rio Linda. It's all done in the name of preserving freedom. Hillsdale's motto says it all, pursuing truth, defending liberty since 1844. It's what's often said and written at Hillsdale. Learn more. The website where all this becomes accessible to you, Rush for Hillsdale.com. Rush for Hillsdale.com. As if delivered for our very purpose of making the host of this program, who will always be Rush Limbaugh, look good. Believe it or not, a phone call matching up with being educated by said Rush Limbaugh, John Mark in Sparkman, Arkansas. You're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman in on the EIB network. Hi, John Mark. Todd, it's an absolute honor. Uh, first time getting through, and uh, so I'll get right to the point. Um, I've listened to Rush since 1992. I'm 47 years old. Uh, I've got kids of my own now, three. And um, I didn't realize how important the work that Rush and now you are carrying on uh, was until I just began to notice um, in their, from their eyes the absolute hypocrisy of, of the left. And, and one example is just the uh, the environmental issues um, forcing you know homes in the future to have solar panels and if not you can't sell your homes forcing battery powered cars and making the other obsolete um, and and demonizing those that don't that don't participate and I I, I see the hypocrisy in the uh, pro life movement um, the fact that you know they they see the earth as having environment uh, value but but not a human life and. Um, so wow. I, my wife homeschools our our kids, and I'm so uh, so thankful for that. And uh, she is an amazing teacher. And um, so I just uh, appreciate you carrying on Rush's tradition. And I, I wanted to ask you one last question. Um, I'm looking to get the Rush Revere books, um, and uh, I, I wanted to didn't know whether it would be best to have him reading it on the on the CD version or or, or get the actual books or. Or, or both, because um, there both. is another perspective. There is another perspective, and I want them to know that it's out there and what they hear on mainstream media. Yeah, uh, that sounds so normal. They make it sound so normal that you're evil if you don't do those things. But anyway, thank you so much. So yeah, no, John Mark, listen, it's 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 look. It takes all of us. It takes you know Ken Matthews, and it takes Mark Stein, and it takes Brent, and it takes all of us. Uh, to carry on the legacy of 30 years of broadcast excellence. To answer your question, I'm not being facetious. You know, I don't get any money from the Rush Revere books. Um, I, I would say this, that, that with getting both, you end up with something your kids can cherish and read as they get older and read to their kids. And then Rush's voice and the, the characterizations, you know, in this is something that people can listen to as they relax and on car trips. And kids take great comfort mm. in hearing books repeated again. In fact, young kids... They want that. They need that. It helps them feel competent because they know where the story's going and what's going to happen. And it builds that competency where they begin to you know, be secure in their knowledge. So I would suggest that you get both of those. And I love the way I love what you said. And I want to expand on it, John Mark, that you said that the left, you know, they 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 want us to believe they're obsessed with preserving the earth. And so we have solar panels. you got to have those. But they contain coal. 
they want us to believe that they're obsessed with um, preserving the earth, but they want us to have electric cars with with elements in the batteries that you know take several ha- or several thousand years to deal with in comparison to old batteries that end up poisoning the ecosystem as well. Not to mention all the cars they're going to scrap and put into you know heap yards because they're going to say you can't drive gas powered cars anymore. So then they turn around and say, but we need to end this, you know, we need to end lives. We need to end lives of little kids. And if you watch the left and you understand that what this death battle we're in, that Rush described it as a death struggle with communism. I don't mean this to, I'm not trying to overstate anything. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. In every regard, the left is attempting to make government God, as Rush might say, God. And you can go to their reliance upon, you come to us for what truth means. The World Health Organization says that herd immunity doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Tony Fauci says, well, I guess now that you've gotten the mRNA and vaccines, you can gather at your kitchen table, but I'm I'm going to need you to wipe your mouth every five seconds with a Clorox bleach, uh, one of those wipe things. I'm still working on the licensing deal, so it can be the Fauci wipe, the Fauci mouth wipe. But even prior to that, before I get paid for that, I need you to wipe your face with that. That they're trying to become that authoritarian to the very nature of what it means to be man or woman. Well, you won't believe what's going on in California. You really will not. Where there are <laughs> their stores are going to be fined if they have boys and girls clothing. So everybody has to be potato head now. You can't you, you can't even recognize people who who are proud of being a boy or a girl. Or they're they're trying to erase that. So it makes no, it's not a surprise, and you said it so well, that they want to say, oh, we're going to save the earth, but we're going to, you know, expand the amount of time. You can take a child's life. The baby's born, but the toes left inside the mother. Well, we, the new gods, have decided this isn't really killing a baby. This isn't really taking a life. So in every capacity, they're trying to overtake God in terms of running human society. And I think one of the things that, that your, your kids and you will get out of the Rush Revere books and the Rush Revere CDs with Rush doing the voices is you'll get American exceptionalism, which means we understand our rights come from God, not from government. Therefore, government cannot take our core rights. They are what us old white guys call inalienable. It's Todd Herman in for our departed friend Rush Limbaugh. Todd Herman in for our departed friend, Rush Limbaugh. Our prayers continue to be with Catherine and the Limbaugh family, Team EIB, as we continue just to deal with and process the loss of this voice. And you will hear more of Rush's voice, and we're just blessed with that. Just just picking up on what John Mark said uh, really well about Democrats you know, obsessed with with you know, saving the earth by forcing you to have coal in your solar panels, but not coal in, in your furnaces, is they are really trying to give themselves this promotion to God. And big government, if you track big government, it's responsible for so many of our social ills. Let me give you an example of why I say that. Reasonable government can be debated. We can debate tax rates. We can debate zoning. We can debate speed limits. We can debate the degree to which we offer foreign aid and to whom. These things are all rational and can all be debated. Particularly when you're debating from 
to to be hipsterish, the lingua franca of limited governance and constitutional constraint. Right? I mean, it's the same way as playing a game with somebody. If if you're playing poker and someone else is, you know, playing backgammon, you not you can't have a fruitful game. And Democrats have long since departed constitutional restraint. But they've also moved into arenas that cannot have reasonable debate. And even when that's possible, even when conservatives hold their nose and say, okay, abortion, but in the first trimester, the Democrats continue to, to move it forward. No, we mean abortion after the baby's born. And we're saying, well, that's murder. Well, but that's what we're going to make you do. In every regard. As big government gets into the lives of people, okay, so you can have, you know, gay people can now get married. Well, it's not just that they can, it's that you must participate in it. They continue to push into arenas that can't be debated. You cannot debate abortion at its core, right? You can't abort half a baby. So big government expands in this way. And it causes us to fight about things we ought not fight about. Because it's not the provision of government. In a rational sense, if government is restrained, debate is civil. There was a time. There was a time when Americans could debate. Because government had not become a demigod to so many leftists. And communism hadn't taken root. Here's an example of when the left and right shared some common ground and we were able to debate ideas. Here's Dave in rural Iowa. Thank you for waiting, sir. It's great to have you here. I'm a Democrat. I voted Democratic. I live in a Republican state, and there's not too many Democrats that I know, but I know a few. And we're not, and I'm not especially, the uh, mean, deceitful, vicious person that the other Democrats seem to be or that you describe them as. I don't like President Trump, but I don't want to see him harmed in any way. And when the Senate voted to impeach him, I was just, I thought that was just terrible. And when Pelosi tore his speech, I thought that was the most rude thing anybody could do. It was an impeachment without a crime. Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. I listen to you every day. And you kept saying they did not have any proof. And I honestly, honestly, the Democrats, and I honestly thought they were holding holding a wild card and they were just going to spring it at any moment to uh, incriminate Trump. And they didn't. Nothing happened. Well, why do you think that was? Because there's some uh, some of those that are that are just deceitful, vicious people. I'm not. I'm a peace loving man. No, but I mean, you said you were kept waiting for them to spring the wild card news, and that they didn't do it. Nothing happened. And I said, why no, didn't... They, didn't... they didn't have it. Oh, there you go. So they were lying about having it. They lied yeah, about they the whistleblower. About... They lied about all of that. I know how hard it is to be a Democrat. I couldn't do what you're doing. Well, I'm not... Uh, uh, let me explain a little. I'm not an extreme liberal. I cannot support same-sex marriage, and I'm pro-life. And I can't support transgender bathroom rights and things like that. I just can't support them. So what is it that makes you a Democrat? Because that's really, you've just nailed down over half of the agenda. All this cultural uh, stuff is, 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 that's mandated you support that stuff to be a Democrat. Why, 
what is it the Democrats support that you agree with? Well, I describe myself, even though he was I was just a kid when he was uh, uh, president, I can describe myself as a Jimmy Carter Democrat because, you know, he wouldn't support he was not uh, uh, pro-choice or he would not support. You know, he was a Sunday school teacher. Yeah. yeah. You know, lasted one term, too. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, he did. He did. But uh, I describe myself that way is believing more in the grassroots beliefs that the Democratic Party used to have. Yeah. You know, this is fascinating. I'm re- uh, Dave, I- I'm glad you called. This, folks, never forget this call. Dave here, and I don't mean, Dave, I'm not trying to be funny or insulting or anything in my description here. You're, you have listened. You have just heard probably JFK era Democrat, maybe even softer than that. And in today, you would have to describe Dave as Jurassic Park Democrat. There aren't many like him anymore, but there are some, and they remain Democrats for whatever reason. Uh, party loyalty is a, is a strong pull. It's a, it's a strong thing. But you heard him. He doesn't support or agree with any of the cultural agenda. And it's that agenda that the Democrats are using to bludgeon people in this country with their woke and cancel culture and all this. If you don't sign on to that stuff, they're going to come out and dox you and they're going to come out and do everything they can to destroy you and humiliate you. But there used to be. Remember when I say or have said that there was a time where Republicans and Democrats had some things in common, among them wanting prosperity, wanting a better economic life for your kids than you had, wanting to maximize the opportunities that America provided and offered, that we just had different philosophies about how to achieve these things. Dave is a Democrat from that era. We would have had a lot in common, but he would have still been a Democrat. He believes in Western civilization. He believes in the distinctly profound American culture, which is unique to the world. It's Western civilization. And people like Dave were Democrats with whom we could have disagreements and, and debates. You know, I would, I would tell him that I think the best way to achieve what you want for your kids and prosperity and so forth is capitalism, uh, f- you know, free market economics. And he might think, no, we need the government running the show. The government's the only government that can make it fair. Um, but at the end of the day, you vote. If you win the election, fine. If you lose the election, fine. You come back and fight the next time. You keep arguing. You keep debating. Keep trying to persuade. Today's Democrat Party is interested in none of that. They're not interested in persuading anybody, and they resent having to. They want to wipe out all opposition. They want to just eliminate everybody disagrees with them. They're not interested in having to win debates, having to win elections. All of that is stuff that they resent and want to do away with. So the days where we had things in common as Americans, Dave is from that era, a Democrat from that era. There aren't very many of them left, but there are those Democrats out there. Why he doesn't switch, I don't know. But I'll guarantee you it has to do with party loyalty at somewhere in his life. 
And that's what the Democrats have done and the left has done is they they will punish, psychologically punish people like that man. That, that you, well, you don't want to be a Trumpster, do you? You don't want to be one of the bad guys, do you? You don't want to be one of the oppressors, do you? This extends, and there's a great lesson. Let's we'll get to this. I want I want to bring back something about masks. Not not the mask debate. You remember all the footage of Democrats and and technocrats like Fauci not wearing masks when they thought they weren't on camera. This dynamic exists also in social media. Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, saying things to his staff that will get you banned. From that social media site, unless unless you're Louis Farrakhan, in which case you get to say it. It's just another way that the left and the, the status and technocrats are trying to give themselves, uh, you know, a, a, a raise up to God level. We'll get to that as we continue. It's Todd Herman on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman filling in for our friend in heaven, Rush Limbaugh. Mark Zuckerberg. The CEO of Facebook is on video, in hidden video, describing the risks of mRNA injections, which are in the Pfizer and Moderna shots that people are taking. And he said, look, the problem is we just don't know what it does to change people's DNA. It's a reasonable concern. It's a concern I hold about those injections. It's why personally I choose not to take them. And yet, if you say that on Facebook, you get banned. You'll get knocked out. Same is true with with Twitter. They are saying they're going to crack down on misinformation and then say it apparently privately to their staff, as in the case of Zuckerberg, who's on video doing this. Very similar to masks. In public, we're to believe that they all wear masks. Jack Dorsey's famous for saying you can have an edit button on Twitter after we get, you know, you start wearing masks. And yet we have photos of him that appear to show him on his yacht hanging out with a rap star not wearing masks. But you, like, do what Zuckerberg did about vaccines or about the mRNA injections, which, which, which I have these concerns about. You get banned. Unless you're Calypso Louis. <laughs> unless you're Louis Farrakhan, right? And, and he's out making claims about these shots and vaccines. He's calling them death itself. And he's not being banned. And the so-called Reverend Farrakhan has made similar claims about these vaccines before, vaccines before, back in December. Rush noted his views. Do you believe that Satan, Satan, is concerned about vaccinating you? You trust him. After all that he's done to destroy us, you trust him. How could you allow him to stick a needle into you saying he's helping you? They give you free shots of toxic waste. You on a death watch. Well, if, if you don't show that you're vaccinated, you can't come to school. What a blessing. Yes. Tell the cracker, I ain't coming to your school. Right. So obviously Calypso Louie believes that the coronavirus vaccine is toxic waste. It is the white devil's revenge for electing Kamala Harris. And he's trying to talk his followers into not trusting the devil, the white devil. Asking them how you can sit by and allow the devil to stick a needle into you, saying he's helping you. Tell that cracker I ain't coming to your school. And there you have more wisdom from Calypso Louie, Minister Farrakhan, the Nation of Islam. 
and he's free to say it on Facebook and Twitter when those CEOs only say stuff like that in private. Speaking of, well, ethnic issues with the Louis Farrakhan, let's talk to Barry in Minta, Minnetonka, Minnesota. I'm sorry if I didn't say that the right way. Minnetonka, Minnesota. Is that better, Barry? Welcome to Russia Show. Perfect. Thanks very much. Uh, I'm a 30-year listener to Rush, and I feel that I've lost a good and reliable friend. So mm. heartfelt condolences to Catherine, to his personal family, and to all the radio family at EIB. Uh, the point I wanted to make is that in these divisive times, people often forget that Rush had deep appeal across both racial and ethnic lines. And I think uh, the best expression of that was that classic song by the Rush Hawkins singers, Thank God, or Thank the Lord, Rush Limbaugh's on. Yes. It, uh, it, delighted, it delighted Rush and all of his listeners, and I think it really uh, needled uh, liberals uh, because it went against their talking points. So I'd love you to play Thank the Lord, Rush Limbaugh's on. Well, I'll tell you what, as, as, as a rank amateur filling in for the, the master, who is, you know, obviously in heaven, I do not have the power uh, to invoke, thank the, thank the Lord Rush Limbaugh is on. I, I, I would, I, I just imagine heaven when, when Rush arrived and you had the legion of people who had been, you know, who had for, for their years been guided by Rush and, and people he knew like William F. Buckley and, and people that he had celebrated. And, you know, Paul Harvey welcomed him into the Hall of Fame after Sally Jesse Raphael attempted to slime him. But Rush was too yeah. dignified to be slimed. I, I, you know, I mean, Sally may not be there, but I think Paul Harvey is. And I could see Paul Harvey, you know, and I could see him greeting Rush. I just, I have this image as, as Rush arrives in heaven and, and St. Peter greets him and, and Rush comes in and, and he is, his intellect and his soul are one and he sees all the world's secrets and all the universe's togetherness and he's one with God. And, and then Paul Harvey comes in and he says to Rush, and uh, now you know. The rest of the story. And Rush embraces him. Listen to this. You know what we got? You asked for it, Barry. Here it is. Thank the Lord. Rush Limbaugh's on.
That's to you, Rush. And, oh, we know you're enjoying heaven. Rush Limbaugh Pro uh, Show will continue with Todd Herman. Just a uh, little inside information on that uh, that clip, the Rush Hawkins singers. That was sent in voluntarily. They just sent it in to EIB, just celebrating Rush. I just learned that. After all these years listening to Rush, I didn't know that. We'll come back. The Hispanic vote. It may come Republicans' ways, Democrats' ways, but Rush described this again, Rush's voice, relevant as we speak. It's Todd Herman filling in for our departed Maha on the EIB Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is a honor of a lifetime to fill in as Rush is passed on to heaven on this radio show that you and he built and the team EIB built. Three decades of excellence. And today is the day the Lord has made. And these are the times God has decided we'll live. Times like these, as they say. One of the aspects of Rush's personality that people who choose who chose not to understand Rush chose to get wrong was Rush's zeal and and love of the degrees of humanity. And he had, um, in my judgment, Rush had an inexhaustible belief in the power of human beings and the talents given all of us by God, his to do talk radio, ours to do other things. 
and his belief that when those talents were loosed and unencumbered by a big government, that it led to the fulfillment of what, what, in fact, God meant us to be and means us to be. And you could see this, you could hear this when Rush discussed inventions such as tech, when Rush discussed exploration, when Rush discussed science and, and the science of being a human being and, and what our bodies can do and, and what the universe can do and how the earth can heal and the, the balance that's displayed in the way the earth, the earth is laid out and positioned within the universe. It, it's, it just was inspiring the way that that made him happy to know about the power, the inner, inner power that we have. And he talked about intelligence guided by experience and how that can lead us to great places. And the left, of course, can't have this. They can't have this concept of humanity because it speaks to a power greater than government. It speaks to a power greater than themselves. And so they invent victim groups. They build victim groups. They're inventing new victim groups as we speak. They're inventing racism because there's not enough of it in the world, certainly not enough of it in America that has it, but not to the degree they need it. So they invent it. They make it unsolvable by calling it systemic. Now, think of this. The engine is a system within a car. Can an engine be racist? It can't. Now, you could have racist methods in how you allow people to get car dealerships, but that has to be enforced by people. Like, if you have rules that, oh, even if they're unwritten, we just don't, we don't open car dealerships in, quote, that neighborhood. It takes people to enforce that. It's not a system, it's people who would be being racist, right? But they make it systemic and therefore unsolvable. They, 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 they paint it on one race. White people are racist because of their DNA, and therefore it can't be solved. It can only be mitigated by becoming an anti-racist ally of the left, which means you back Medicaid for all, which means you back cross-sex hormones for little kids against parental consent, which means you back the Green New Deal, which means you back this, this obscenity of a so-called COVID relief bill, which is giving money to murderers like Dylan Roof and to illegal immigrants and, and to teachers unions, but not for you know the next three years. It's it, it, to Amtrak, one point five billion to a, a failed train system, right? And if you don't back these things, you're racist. But there's a problem for the Democrats, and it has to do with the Hispanic vote. According to exit polls, 36% of Latino men voted for Donald Trump in 2020, which is up from 32%. They also helped the, the Republicans win some key House races, several of them, particularly in Texas and Florida, where the Democrats thought they had this safely in their grip, in their grasp, in their claws. In an interview, the New York Times talked to a gentleman named uh, Cortez, Mr. Cortez. He said he voted for Trump in large part because he believed Trump is handling, was handling the economy better. This is another sign of hope. Another sign that the rationality of the American people is strongly in place. It is our job as one of our responsibilities in this time frame to help remind them of the irrationality of the left, particularly on fiscal matters. So Rush always said, he always said, we're a country of individuals, not monolithic groups. While the left is caught up with racial injustice and inequality issues, many of these groups that they've purportedly been fighting for, like Hispanics, 
They, they just want to get back on message, their message, which is the economy. The idea that the Hispanic vote is monolithic. The left looks at every group as monolithic in their thinking. Women, Hispanics, gays, you name it. That's how they look at them. We don't look at people. Well, Republican Party does. But until you and me, American citizens, citizens of the founding, if I can put it that way, we don't look at people as members of groups and then determine what they think. We've conditioned to do that. But within the political realm, we believe that human beings are human beings. If you can reach them, the right message, persuasive, infectious way, that you can get them to join us. doesn't matter if they're gay, straight, male, female, bi. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. I don't look at anybody as impossible. You know, a lot of people have been propagandized. A lot of people do identify as members of groups. And the one characteristic those who do that have is they all look at themselves as victims. And we're not about victims. We're about people reaching their potential. We're about people being the best they can be. That's what we want for the country. It's what we want for our neighborhoods and cities, communities, and so forth. Speaking for myself, I blanch at this, this grouping of people by virtue of skin color and sexual orientation and gender and all this. But I guess it's the name of the game in politics. The fact remains that there are Hispanics of all Republican. There are conservative Hispanics. It's also true, and we don't need a poll to see it. Just look at the election returns in California, the election returns in Massachusetts. The one state that is an exception is Texas. Majority of Hispanics vote Republican in Texas. I wonder why that is, by the way. There's no income tax there. It's a rugged individualist state, as you well know by reputation. I mean, there are all kinds of reasons to figure it out and understand it. But welfare states are going to attract welfare staters. Rush said it better himself, of course. Right? There's, there's not a monolith. You hear in Rush's voice the excitement for human achievement. And to not be shoved into a group other than human. And we're told that's racism in and of itself to say we're all human. And, and of course, it's a banal statement. We're all human and then some. But it's not a racist statement. We have a responsibility in these times to say, no, that's not racist. And that's a trap the left wants to put us in. So we sound like we're denying racism. Well, no, it is not racist to say we're all human. This point of fact is going to come. In fact, tomorrow we're going to spend some time on this with Russia's words about the George Floyd incident, because this is the week that they're doing jury selection uh, for the, the trial of the officers in the George Floyd affair. That, that, that I, I am still chilled by that video. I'm also chilled by the fact that, as I understand it, the officers did what they were taught to do with a man who was suffering from what is likely was likely excited delirium which is a form or it's a it's a byproduct of an overdose that Mr. Floyd uh, abused his body with drugs. I, I looked at him when he was dying and it was chilling and it was horrible. And I saw someone's son and I saw someone's friend and I saw a scared man. And it was difficult to read the news after to realize that by what I've read in the analysis, the officer did what he was taught to do. And that George Floyd, in likelihood, all likelihood, contributed to his own death. I didn't think, I was aware he's black, I'm not silly. He was a black man. But I wasn't thinking a black man, a white cop, but the left is embedded that in people. That it's instantly racism. So, with this 
jury selection beginning today, the Mockingbird media members, they're going to do everything they can to tie this to the reality they're attempting to manufacture, that America is under siege by white nationalist militias on every corner. Of course, Rush grounded us so well in discussing the tragic death of of George Floyd, who probably died from complications of a drug overdose. Here's something I know, and I'm going to repeat this. Folks, there is not a single person in this country, regardless of race or political affiliation, who did not think that the nine minutes of video of a policeman's knee on the neck of George Floyd was absolutely horrifying. There's not a single person I know who wasn't profoundly angry and affected by this. Everyone from Trump down did double time to rebuke it, to demand that the cop be arrested. By the way, in case you're wondering... How are those cops going to be acquitted? Because they might have been overcharged, folks. In the zeal to satisfy the mob and public opinion in the aftermath of George Floyd, they charge these guys with things it may be impossible to get a jury to convict on. And if the case isn't made for these outrageous allegations, they got to acquit. And if there is an acquittal for any of these cops that had anything to do with the death of George Floyd, then, yeah, in Minneapolis, there could be big-time riots. And they've surrounded the courtroom, of course, with security and fences. And and on the topic of George Floyd, as Rush just expressed here, uh, even cops I know who said, we're trained to do that, were horrified. Because it's horrific. A man died. And the complication of human beings, right? When we just say a black man, a white cop... We underserve completely the nature of what it was to be George Floyd. How did he get on drugs? Why was this his future? Why was he a man capable of doing these videos where he begged young black men to not walk the way he had walked in life? It's a profound video he put out. He begged them to straighten their lives out. Begged them. So when we just focus on this single, just one, one aspect of George Floyd, we're not even telling the story that matters. I mean, obviously, a man lost his life. There is the trial. We'll have much more of Rush's words on that tomorrow on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in on the EIB Network. What we just talked about in the last uh, last hour, Mark Zuckerberg saying things about the mRNA injections, the Moderna and Pfizer shots on private calls with employees that you'd get banned for saying on Facebook. But Calypso Louie, Louis Farrakhan, gets to say worse things about these these uh, these vaccines, he gets and stay on Facebook. Uh, we're about to tell you about the Fauci waiver. Yeah, there's the, a Fauci waiver for illegal immigrants in in relation to the new you know, diktats on on how we get to interact with other people. You won't believe this. We'll get that in a second. Of of you know, we just talk about Russia's zeal for inventions and ingenuity and, and human spirit, and Rush discovered. Speaking of ingenuity, the easiest way to gain access to the old family memories you have locked away on old video cassettes and Super 8 film, it's a great company called Legacy Box, and they digitally transfer all of those precious memories onto computer files. And they've done this now for more than one million families, all by hand. Rush was a huge fan of Legacy Box. 
ladies and gentlemen, a lot of us are spending more time at home right now. <laughs> that kind of goes without saying. Uh, it's mandated in many places. It's required. It's common sense. Uh, bottom line is that more and more people are spending a lot of time at home. A lot of people are able to take on a project that otherwise would go wanting. You could do that. You could find every old family video, family film, all those great pictures, family get-togethers from long ago that you've had stored for years and years and years and never seen them because the formats are not viable. You don't have Betamax anymore. You don't have VHS. So assemble all that stuff and get it digitally transferred by Legacy Box. Our friends at Legacy Box are ready to help you get this done. They're offering you 50% off the normal price of their service today. Legacy Box has the high-speed gear you need to digitally transfer all that old stuff onto DVD or thumb drive. And they get it back to you in a couple of weeks. What you do, you order the Legacy Box, they send it to you. It's protected so that no damage occurs to your stuff while you're sending it to them. They digitally transfer it. They keep you advised of the process. Two weeks later, they send it back to you. DVD, thumb drive, iCloud download, however you want it. And then you've got it, and you can duplicate it. You can edit it. You can copy it. Give it away uh, to, to other, share it to other members of the family. This is how you bring back to life all the old stuff that's been collecting, and you haven't seen it in years. Start the process today. Order one of the specially made legacy boxes that you will use to ship all of that stuff to Legacy Box in Tennessee. And again, in two weeks, you get it all back. All those tapes and all the films, Super 8. High 8, Super, whatever, the, the 16 millimeter, whatever you've got, VHS, Betamax, they'll transfer it. You'll get the originals back and the digital DVD thumb drive 50% off at LegacyBox.com slash Rush. Can't do this yourself. 50% off LegacyBox.com slash Rush. So from an invention of pure helping people to the Center for Disease Control. CNN just put out this article with the CDC's new diktats. It's a little Russian speak, or as Rush would say, Spanish lingo, Russian speak, diktat, on how families can interact if they have received the mRNA injections or the Johnson & Johnson shot. And CNN literally said in their article, here's all the rules you need to follow for, for how you hang out with your family. And this is the same Fauci-run organization that has a waiver for everything. Well, I mean, in defense of, of Nancy Pelosi, she does not, Speaker Pelosi does not look great without her hair done. And that's hard to do in a mask because part of this is that she's had a lot of work done on her face. Wait, wait what? Don't say that? Oh, cut. Start again. Here's all sorts of waivers. So while you're being fed the rules from the CDC via the Mockingbirds at CNN, the CDC is letting migrant children, also known as people brought illegally across the border, their kids, so it's, I don't match it, it's their choice. They're being allowed, according to Axios, to fill the, wait, we're not detention, they're not cages, is it hotels? What do you call it? Oh, facilities. Detention facilities up to 100%. When, when you can't, businesses are still capped at 25% in separate countries like Washington State or, or, or California. Well, Republican governors have lifted that that, that, never, that never helped anything. So thank God they've lifted it. Meanwhile, meanwhile, there's this. 
The FAA wants and is demanding that air traffic controllers mask up even when they're talking to pilots. So you have 300 people on two planes. It's a total of 600 lives. And they're about to run into each other. And the air traffic controller has to talk through a mask. Alaska 167, I need you to take a right vector. And the air traffic controllers are saying, we, this is a problem. One of them wrote to Alex Berenson on Twitter. Alex is a former New York Times reporter who talked about this, that he got this email from an air traffic controller saying this, this could genuinely lead to loss of life. So we, we, we can't, I mean, they could have hydroxychloroquine or a, a, a Vectorman or, or any of these other therapeutics. But no, no, it's, it's about the masks. Just do a contrast and compare between the illegal immigrant children brought across the border against their will, or not, maybe not against their will, but they didn't, they didn't, if they're younger kids, they didn't engineer it with the treatment of you and airplanes. Let's talk to D in Atlanta, Georgia. D, we got about a minute and a half together. Welcome to Russia's show. Thanks for waiting. Welcome, D. Yes, I'll, all I wanted to say was, uh, condolences and sympathy and prayers to the family of Rush Limbaugh and the radio family. The man was a legend. He knew how to separate fact from fantasy. He knew how to just give people the facts and fiction and tell everybody what they needed to hear. Not what they wanted to hear, what they needed to hear. He was a man of many words. And you got some big shoes to follow. And you almost sound like him, Todd. <laughs> no, 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 no. D, we don't go there. No one sounds like the Maha. It takes all of us. You'll notice there's four or five of us in rotation to uh, to even fill in for the Maha. But what you said, listen, you know what I love you said? Is that Rush was a man of many words, D. But you know what they were? They were always thoughtful. I challenge anyone. And this is a little bit of inside radio speak, D, so forgive me on this. Because I sit here with headphones and I get to experience Rush in a different way. I'm not driving around or working on my house or working out, which is often where I listen to Rush. I'm listening in headphones in a radio studio. There was a purpose to every segment, even if it was to have fun, even if it was to celebrate a new invention, even if it was to tell a story about the weekend, even if it was to connect to you. Even if it was for Rush to be, be entertained by callers and made to be looking go, look good by callers, every segment had a purpose. There's so many young talk show hosts, and I'm an old man, but uh, still just a rodeo clown amateur compared to the great Maha. So many young talk show hosts could learn a lesson about that. So could people who present for a living. Every slide, everything you say should have a purpose if you're ever trying to persuade everything. It's Todd Herman in for the one and only Maha Rushi. No, it's just such an honor to do this and to get to hang out with my fellow Rush Limbaugh listeners. And sometimes I pinch myself. I, I know that's a cliche, but it's true. Just honestly, how'd this happen? And you know what? It happened by following Rush's advice and not, not following the words of people who said you can't because they didn't. So much to learn for from Rush. In, in the Soviet Union, and I learned this by reading some fictional books, um, that are kind of historical fiction. At one point in areas of the Soviet Union, they outlawed reporting crime. Because if you... If, <laughs> I 
I mean, there was no crime. So if you reported it, you were clearly breaking the law. And funniest thing happened. The the rates of crime fell in San Francisco. They they legalized shoplifting and all of a sudden misdemeanor address uh, 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 arrests went down. And all across the West Coast, California, Washington State, you know, they've they've outlawed. I mean, they've they've basically made assaults and, and vandalism and and fentanyl dealing, etc., legal. And funny thing, those there's no more arrests for that. Now in California, though, they're outlawing boys and girls clothes. Literally, stores can be charged fined money for having a boys and girls section. Now, it's super hard for me to take this topic lightly because I've seen the destruction that this does to kids' psyches and, and minds and the way it separates families and the, the, the ridiculous amount of money that, that some pharmaceutical companies are making by you know, going to these kids and medicalizing them. But on the other hand, it, this, it, it's so bizarre as to be educational. There's no bottom. There's there's no bottom to how far the left will dig to separate Americans and, and, and separate us into balkanized groups of now invented victims to the point of harming children, to the to the point of just this absurdity. So even if a kid wants to be a boy and is a boy, in fact, you know, chromosomes and DNA and all those inconvenient biological truths. He can't go get a boy's set of clothes. And by the way, it's not going to stop boys from knowing what clothes are made for boys. There's a great research bit that was done with boys where they they presented them with a bunch of toys but no guns, no fake army stuff. Left to their own devices, boys use spoons and forks and sticks as guns because we're different. Our, our human design is different. Right? We have we have these unique qualities about ourselves. And boys will gravitate to these things. So Target, others, I mean, Target's not going to be bothered. They're as woke as woke can be. But other stores, no, you don't get to have a boys and girls section. And you think this is going to stop boys. What it will do is guilt boys into, wait, 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 wait. You want boys' clothes? You must be a hater. Which is, of course, the design of all this. Now, person who was the best, bar none, at illustrating absurdity through absurdity was was our dear departed friend Rush. And above all other things, in my judgment, Rush was an expert on human nature. He loved how God made us. He studied how we work. <laughs> he studied what makes us who we are, even to the comedic point. Right? And, and it's funny. And not surprisingly, in a funny sense, Rush knew that the left was obsessed with altering human nature, even if it requires force. You remember when Time Magazine did that cover? When they learned that men and women are born different? 1996 or 1997. Time Magazine actually had a cover story. Men and women are born different. As it was news to them. Now, I love to point this out. Imagine you're the editor at Time Magazine and you come across news that boys and girls are different at birth. That is such shocking news to you that it deserves Cover story status. Who in the world thinks that that's news? Well, if you have been steeped in liberalism from the time you're born till the time you get out of J school to the time you start working in journalism, 
where we had couples raising their little girls with G.I. Joes and deep blue painted bedrooms, and their little boys were in pink bedrooms and playing with Barbie. And they were shocked to learn that their little girls were trying to find new wardrobes for G.I. Joe rather than pulling the trigger. The leftists are just stunningly, stunningly obtuse to me. How can we make progress on gender roles? Why do you people on the left want to so deny human nature? I have the answer. I think it's amazing. I know exactly why. Undeniable truth of life number 24. Feminism was created so as to allow unattractive women easier access to the mainstream. Bingo. That thought earned me lifetime status as a great thinker. And to this day, women... Leftists, feminists, and feminazis are still outraged by undeniable truth of life, number 24. And, and now this is extended to you know, people who are trans activist men wanting access to women's prison, even though they, they're, they're men, therefore not ugly women. I don't go around calling women ugly, but, but they're, they're men, and they're getting into women's prisons. And so Russia's undeniable truth of life, number 24. Or is extended into dudes with beards being allowed to be imprisoned with women. I'm telling you, the undeniable truth of Russia's wisdom throughout the ages, it's right here. And it's just being expanded upon as if the left is as if the left is 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 recognizing Russia's death by in fact memorializing his words by showing how right he was. It is insane to watch. And yet it will continue as the left continues to try to tear us apart. And I've seen Democrats recently. I've seen them turn. I've seen them turn with the selective COVID rules and the politically useful lockdowns and et cetera. And the mask hypocrisy. It's happening. It's happening. If we can somehow hold off H.R. 1, the Fed's seizing control over elections or get enough Republican AGs to sue over that, it's happening. There is an awakening. Let's talk to Steve in Albertville, Alabama. Steve, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman in for our dear Maha. Hi, Steve. Hello. Thank you for having me, Todd. First, I'd like to extend my condolences and sympathy uh, to Catherine and all the Rush listeners and fans around the world. Um, I want to touch on something real quick here that you had on Friday uh, was that aha minute with uh, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, I had always been a Democrat, and I was a uh, contractor, a subcontractor. And when Ronald Reagan was elected president, uh, they told me that morning, well, Reagan, he's a Republican, and uh, he's been elected president, so you go, better go buy you a good squirrel gun before you have something to eat. And at lunchtime, I went to my car, and I sat down, and I just turned my radio on in my uh, local station here, and Rush Limbaugh was on, and I started listening to him. And uh, I became so much like uh, Reagan and his thoughts and and Rush and his thoughts that uh, people started calling me the great negotiator, (laughs) as they did Ronald Reagan. But the things I learned from Rush was how to not just accept what people threw out at you, but to learn to think for yourself and see what's going on and and research what it was. And I found that uh, before long, I looked at Rush as, as my mentor and my teacher. Uh, that I depended on to give me the facts and to teach me how to think for myself. For example, the the you you mentioned the phone the 
homophobes or whatever and and the different races and stuff and and rush taught me within myself it, just on the word racism for example race is the root word there and jesus christ i learned from listening to rush i learned within myself jesus christ uh, settled that debate many many years ago when he determined when he died on the cross that all lives matter regardless of race and i learned to think like that from the great rush limbaugh i will miss him forever i thank all of you so very much from the depths of my heart for picking up the ball where rush had carried it so far for so many years even during his sickness and never complained he continued to carry the ball he continued to teach us he continued to guide us and help us understand for ourselves to think for ourselves and not just accept what was thrown out, and he will be missed for years. And 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 kudos to all of you behind the scenes who continue to carry this program and his legacy forward. Thank you, Steve. Beautiful, beautiful phone call. And you're addressing, I want you to make sure that you know, it's not just those of us who get to be on the mic. There is a team of people behind the scenes Craig and Greg and and Crash and Paul and Susan and Mike and Allie, and I know I'm going to forget people, and it's my bad, who make this happen. I just want you to know something, that it's a labor of love, that, that this is for them... It's it's a labor of, of love, and it was love returned from Rush. It's not a mistake. And I want to get all maudlin because, oh, trust me, I'm not done crying. But there, it's not a mistake that there's the longevity in the show. Bo Snurdly. It's Bo's, Bo's you're not in today. And, and Bo was with Rush as, as long as anybody. And it's not a mistake because Rush returned that loyalty. It's, it's just so clear to me that knowing how organizations work and how, how cultures are built, that this is a culture from the boss. And I just wish I could show everybody the class. I wish I could. I, all I can do is tell you about it. We'll continue. It's Todd Herman in for the Maha on the EIB Network. Man, it's been a busy day. And I was just thanking Team EIB on behalf of caller who wanted, Steve wanted to just thank everybody. I knew I'd forget people. Cookie, Coco, there's Coco Jr. and Joe, all the people behind the scenes. I Because I've been a Rush listener my entire adult life, I want you to know as a fellow listener the labor of love that exists in getting this show to you in this form as we continue to feature Rush's voice for you. I just really want you to understand that it is work, and people are paid for that, and, and Rush is, you know, took care of people. I also want you to know that these folks are working extra hours to make the program you know, appear in this format. My job is the easiest that there is. Right? I, just, I, I, I come and I talk and visit with you. So I just want to make sure that that, that work is honored. Uh, let's talk to Rick in South Carolina. Rick, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in for our dearly departed friend, the Maha. Hi, Rick. Yes, I want to just thank Rush and thank you, Todd, both for uh, the show and for all the years and for the education of America. Thank you. Well, I, I thank you for the call. What's it meant to you personally? Uh, really, the education from Rush started uh, for me 26, uh, seven years ago uh, out of college and uh, on the radio, uh, you know, not all the days, but um, really and truly, uh, Rush basically taught us all, you know, no matter where you, you picked up on that continuum, um, he lifted you up if you were 27 or 
42, uh, wherever you were in life, uh, to explain it to you, to understand how important it was to, uh, to get it right and to, uh, to digest the, the day's events and, and the yeah. evil forces against us. Yeah. And, and what you said, I, I love what you said, Rick, is you know, it didn't matter the age that Rush was. He, he lifted people up from every, every aspect of life. We've heard from people it, just since I've been doing this since Rush passed. I heard from a doctor who decided to, to found his own clinic versus having a job. And he was very thankful for that. I've heard from people who were encouraged in their battle with cancer uh, because of Rush's optimism. I've heard from a, a woman who was using Rush's words to help her husband be cheered through his battle with liver cancer. I've heard, I mean, countless times. Uh, we heard from a military wife who's been, you know, 27 cities in her marriage and, and that Rush was home for her. So there is that aspect to that. That's a great call. Thank you very much, Rick, for that. I can't see the name in Ohio, but I know someone's in Ohio. Sean. In Ohio, hi. you you are on the Russian Buff program. Hi, uh, Sean in Ohio. Hi, um, hi, uh, Todd. It's a pleasure to talk to you guys. Glad you called, Sean. What's on your mind, my friend? Um, well, I just wanted to share with everybody uh, first my appreciation for everything that they've done. I am so glad that they've been able to do this for so long. Thank you. And, and how old are you, Sean? Fifteen. Fifteen. So you are a fifteen-year-old rush baby. Yes, that is what the screen caller said. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, look. I mean, you listened to Rush your whole life. Um. Yeah, my yeah. parents listened to him a lot, and yeah. uh, I didn't really understand him that much up until you know Trump got real big. And so once Trump started getting real big, I started listening a lot, and it was so awesome to just have him every day talking, and you know, I understand things that I never thought that my parents would be able to explain to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. And listen, there is like, this isn't a plug, but I will tell you, I, I hope that your parents can get you some back orders of the Limbaugh letter. I hope that you'll get yeah. Rush's books and I, I hope you have access to, to RushLimbaugh.com. We need you, man. Yeah, I actually have, we have, and I have read all of the books. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, man, I'm I'm glad you called. You're a hope. Um, stick to these principles. Never let anybody who didn't tell you you can't. And 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 work hard, brother. Work hard, Sean. It's a blessing that you called. Thank you for being part of the next generation with the head on right. I appreciate you. Go with God's good grace. Thank you, Sean. We'll wrap up the show. We we'll come back and more about what we'll talk about this week. It's Todd Herman in on the EIB Network. Oh, it's been an incredible time to chat with you, fill in today for our departed friend, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, tomorrow, really cool. We're going to give you a glimpse, and me, a glimpse into the Fox News special that's coming up about Rush, the age of Rush Limbaugh. So we'll have information from, from that that you've not heard, I've not heard. We'll also delve into um, George Floyd, the, trial, the trials unfolding. Rush has said so many words of wisdom about things like this. And I just wanted everybody to make sure that we all heard that even with Rush having passed on, we have a 15-year-old Rush baby who called the program today to express appreciation that Rush took the complex and boiled it down to the understandable, but never, ever to pablum, never to baby food, always encouraged us to apply our own skepticism because we've all got a level of intelligence. We all got experience. We can all combine the two 
to guide that in the gifts that God gave us. We'll see you tomorrow. It's Todd Herman in on the EIB Network. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.